Today on The Ticker Tapes, we hear from Alex, whose son Harry, when he was just seven years old, suffered a sudden cardiac arrest while playing in an after-school football session. Thankfully, though, his life was saved by a member of staff quickly responding to perform CPR. Obviously, uh, we, we, we're eternally grateful to Christine. We can't ever, ever, words beyond me, get, you know, she saved our son's life. She saved our family. She saved, she saved our family. From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Rob Underwood. On the Ticker Tape series, we hear from people living with heart and circulatory conditions. In this episode, Alex passionately shares, through parental eyes, the emotions of Harry's journey, which has led to him being diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and fitted with an implantable cardioverted defibrillator. Now, at 15, Harry's looking forward, enjoying a healthy, active lifestyle, and loves watching his beloved Brighton and Hove Albion with Dad every Saturday. Harry's story is also featured prominently in British Heart Foundation's February Heart Month campaign, focusing on the importance of CPR. Well, Alex, thanks for joining us on the Ticker Tapes. I think it's fair to say what a journey Harry, Ollie, yourself and Rachel have been on over the last eight years. How would you sum it up? Yeah, thanks, Rob. Yeah, I mean, it really has been quite some journey. And uh, obviously, starting off with what could have been tragic circumstances, my son's life being saved by someone who knew CPR, and then uh, the recovery after that, and and where we are now, which is with a a healthy 15 year old who um, enjoys a a normal life. Um, It's yeah, it's incredible when you think about it. Mm. And how much closer has it brought you as a family? Uh, yeah, I think a lot closer. I think it's uh, it's made us a lot stronger and a lot more resilient. I think uh, you know we're not we're not afraid to do things. We're not afraid to take risks, and we've been on some really nice holidays together as a family since. And yeah, you know, I think for me and Rach as well, it's, it's with any couple, it's it, it brings you together. You know, you go through something like that together, it really adds a strength to your relationship. Let's go back to the tenth of February. 2016 which began as a normal day what, what do you remember yeah I had I was uh working at home fortunately I I had a bit of flexibility in my role at the time and, and Rach was up in Birmingham at the NEC she does a, a did a trade show for her company and I just remember my Harry was at an after school club he was due to come home a little bit later um he walked home at that point he was fine walking home we just lived in a little village so it's not not that far and I got a call from the head head teacher and um she sounded very shaken and you know I could immediately sense that something serious was up you know more, more than the normal oh he's grazed his knee or you know he's he's come down with a sick bug or something and it was he's he's collapsed was what she said to me so I immediately got out the door and walked up the road. And I remember th- in my head, my head kind of going, oh, this is this is actually really serious. Like just the tone of her voice kept playing on me as I was walking up. So I put a bit of speed on, um, tried to get up the hill as fast as I can. The school's literally like five minutes away from my door. So it's not far. And as I walked up the hill, you kind of round a corner and up to the hill, I could see a police car and an ambulance outside the school and your heart, you know, you you drop, you kind of, you're like, well, that must be for Harry, you know, 
And then as I walked up the hill, there was police, there was a policeman and a policewoman there. They they met me and they said to me, your son's in the ambulance and the crew of the paramedics are, are working on him. And you know, that was the phrase, which is, it's not a great phrase to be honest. You're like, oh, what? Um, I wasn't allowed to see him at that point. They, they were working on the ambulance and it was all very grave faced and, and serious, you know, and I think, you know, you immediately think the worst and you immediately wonder what the hell's going on. And then pretty much straight after that, we were, I was put into the back of the police car and we followed the ambulance to the local children's hospital here in Brighton, uh, which is the Royal Alexandra. And, and we kind of sped across town and I remember them doing the the very police thing of asking you lots of questions as you go along, trying to keep your mind off it, I guess, trying to keep your mind away from, you know, the, the worst possibilities. And really the next thing I remember after that is, is being pulled up in the ambulance bay and what seemed like hundreds of people appearing out of nowhere, you know, with a crash cart, with like a million machines, you know, <laughs> like in the movies and it just appeared like that. And it, it was like, I was just kind of standing there like this weird observer not really knowing what to do my sister appeared I don't I don't really remember phoning her or how she got there but my sister appeared and I spoke to Rach as well who was in really bad shock but the thing I remember the, the there was a point where you know I, I kept on getting snippets I kept on getting like oh he's you know he's conscious or he's breathing on his own and, and blah, blah blah and all these things seemed good and um one seemingly senior doctor in the midst of the scene suddenly just went and it was almost like it was it was almost like he was saying it to me and I, I don't know I don't think he was but it seemed that way he just went oh the blood acids are low and he said it in like a really loud commanding voice to everyone as if this was like a really important thing and uh I I, I just hung on to that 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 was that was what I hung on to. So just just that I didn't even know what it meant. I had no idea, and I just thought well, that seems like he's saying something really positive and important. So I just hung on to it. That that's what I hung on to. And at what point, Alex, did you realise and discover what had happened? And describe to us what did happen and how events unfolded at school. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't until a couple of days later. So, so we, I mean, we then got rushed up to London to the Evelina Hospital, where Harry was induced into a coma, and and we were kind of bedside visual, obviously, from then on in for the next couple of days. Um, and we were getting bits and bobs of news. And funny enough, I was reading over. I was I was posting on socials. I was posting on Facebook at the time, just because I think it gave me a way of processing it. And I had lots of support, and I was showing Rach. But what we know is that um, Harry was at his after football club and he collapsed. And he the the <laughs> the son of uh, of of Christine Kipman, who's the bursar at the school, um, who gave him CPR, was actually working in the after school club. And he he went and ran and got his mum uh, uh, in the school office. And Christine ran down, and she had, I think, two or three days previous had a had a first aid refresher course. And she performed CPR. Now, I, 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 I still to this, I, I've heard lots of different stories about this, about how long it was. And it's weird because when I go back on the socials, I look at it, it's five minutes and other people have said 15. So it's sometime between 10 and 15 minutes that, that Christine performed CPR on Harry. 
until the paramedics came and then they were able to obviously with the defib get his heart back starting to get an out of arrhythmia so we, we now know it was arrhythmia caused by cardio hypertrophic uh, cardiomyopathy and how at this point are you processing everything that's happened and and beginning to in your mind thank christine for what she was able to do yeah i mean i look we we had two days of absolute hell to say the truth we we didn't know what was going on you know it was our son was in a coma and we didn't know whether he was going to have brain damage coming around you know because of a lack of oxygen and uh, as slowly over those two days they started to bring him out of anesthetist they did it a couple of times and he seemed alert and and well and things were, were always positive it was always positive as positive as it could be from the staff at the Evelina who, who were wonderful and um when he finally woke up and came round you know it was only at that point where we were able to kind of really start to think about what happened and what what you know and, and gather that information ourselves and and then obviously uh, we, we we're eternally grateful to christine we can't ever ever i, I don't it's, it's words beyond me you know she saved our son's life she saved our family she saved she saved our family what more then, Alex, were you able to find out about the condition hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and what it would mean for Harry? Yeah, I mean, we, we found out more about uh, kind of immediately probably about arrhythmia, so, so, so the kind of symptom of it. And Harry was fit with an ICD shortly after coming around in hospital, a couple of days. It was really quick. And that was all a bit of a whirlwind as well because he'd come round, he was okay. And then we were fitting an ICD and that all happened and he's on beta blockers now. And then subsequently, we've had aftercare uh, from all kinds of people, psychologists and geneticists and cardiologists. And talking to the cardiologist, you start to get a grip on what it is and how it happens. So hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is where the, the heart cells grow a scar tissue. And what that means is you start to get a lump on, the, on your heart. And that lump means that the electrical signals that are flowing through your heart all the time and allow it to pump in, in the regular beat get diverted. And that diversion over time causes, you know, it's, it's, it's such a precise, I don't think people realize how precise your heart is. It is a precise instrument. And just that little bit of movement of the electrical signals just gets it into arrhythmia. So it gets outside of that regular heartbeat and it starts to flutter and then eventually it just stops functioning and you you fall into cardiac arrest try to put into words for me alex how you must have felt when harry came round and the concerns you must have had as a family prior to that yeah i mean the concerns uh, were obviously around his mental well-being and his physical well-being what effect it would have on him you know and i don't even think we were thinking kind of medium or long term at this point it was it was all very short term view at that point it was like god i just hope he wakes up okay you know and you know when he finally actually came round, and we were like he could hardly talk he'd had a lot of pipe you know he had a lot of tubes and stuff so his throat was really sore and um i remember him saying to me oh and we were like, what do you want? What do you want? You can have whatever you want. <laughs> and he said, oh, I want Cocoa Pops. And I had to go and run out and buy some Cocoa Pops for him. But that in itself was so reassuring, you know, that, oh, it's it's Harry. He's back. You know, the first thing he thinks of is Cocoa Pops. 
And then I think it was, you know, slowly, we, we, we're so lucky. You know, we had so much support and people explaining to us all the time what it meant, what it would mean. Um, Professor Rosenthal, who was the surgeon and uh, the consultant for Harriet, the Evelina, is a, a wonderful human being who, who gave us a lot of advice and a lot of really good reassurance i'm a technical person i work in it i love I, I love technical things i love and that was that was how i processed it weirdly like rach was in shock and and couldn't process very much and i and i was fairly far more pragmatic i thought i had to be you know i didn't i didn't really have any choice so i kind of dove into those technical details and kind of worked with that and processed it that way and found out a lot about it and that that kind of gave me hope as well but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you're just worried about what effect it's going to have on the quality of his life going forward. And unfortunately, it's it's turned out not not a great deal. The British Heart Foundation's life-saving research is giving hope to so many people. If you feel you'd like to support our work, do please consider a donation by going to bhf.org.uk slash donate pod. And now back to the conversation. Alex, let's remember, Harry was just seven at the time, wasn't he? How was he coping in the knowledge that he'd now got this ICD fitted? Uh, remarkably well. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, Harry A doesn't remember anything about it. You know, he he remembers, I think the last one, because it was Pancake Tuesday, like the day before, I think, Shrove Tuesday. So that's the last thing he remembers. So when we were asking him, he's like, I just remember having pancakes. He doesn't even remember being at school like that day, really. And now, you know, he understands about the ICD. He, you know, we regularly go up to the Evelina. We go up, um, we were going up every three months, We then six months. And now we go up yearly, annually, and we have a, a half yearly check-in. But, um, you know, he's also got a case, a youth caseworker who's able to ask any questions he wants about the ICD and the impact on him. It hasn't discharged again, touch wood. So um, he hasn't had another episode since. The concern he has, I think, is, you know, when the ICD, when the battery does naturally come to its end, he's going to have to have another operation to have it replaced. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. And it's, it's not as bad. I think the beta blockers have, have, do have an effect on him. You know, they do, he does feel that when he wants to do exercise. And especially when he was starting off as a seven year old, that has a, that has a profound effect, I think, on, on what you think you can and can't do we've tried to be as as kind of hands off and just just trust in the technology and trust that the beta bloggers are going to do their job for him and he can crack on and he feels naturally tired when he when he hits a certain threshold let's talk about the implications of living with an icd have there been any particular issues as far as harry progressing through life with that yeah, I mean, he he can't play kind of full-on contact sports. He can't play rugby. He can't play any kind of professional kind of sports. He can still kick around. He still plays football. He was playing football just just uh, yesterday in the park with his mates, as long as it's not, you know, he just has to avoid direct hits to the chest. Um, probably the most disappointing thing for him has been when we went to Miami to Florida a couple of years ago and uh, he wasn't allowed on some of the rides because of the magnets so that's disappointing the other thing we have to be careful of is airports so when he, he can't go through the main scanners he has to go through the other scanners and we have a little card 
and says he has an ICD fitted. But to be fair, we, we never really have to show that. We just say he's got an ICD pretty much everywhere we went as well. We've been to like Africa with him and stuff. And we're like, ICD, ICD. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, come this way. So, they, so everyone knows it's good. I think one of the most remarkable things, Alex, is, uh, as you implied earlier on, less than a month after all of this, he's back at school again, isn't he? That was a matter of weeks. Yeah, I mean, it was very, very quick. And yeah, just back up, back out, back to his normal self. It was very weird. and But again, it gave us comfort and confidence to move forward as a family and, and not try to keep him back from things he'd want to do. You know, there was a lot of a lot of love and comfort and cuddles and visits from family. And obviously, you know, um, Christine was delighted to see him back at school. She was, she was back there too. <laughs> yeah, it must have been a wonderful moment. Let's talk about that relationship. It must be such a very special relationship with Christine now. She's what, she, she's almost part of the family, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, um, we see her regularly. We take her out for a birthday uh, every year. And uh, around Christmas, we try and catch up with her as well. And she, you know, whenever anything happens with Harry and we try and keep in contact and let her know and with her kids as well. So, yeah, she is like having a, a, an extra member of the family, which is amazing and marvellous. Uh, you know, we're never going to lose contact with her. And, and she's so, so special to to us all. And uh, I think to Harry as well, I think as, he, as he's got older, he realises that relationship has grown stronger in a way because he's he's more emotionally responsive, I guess, as, a, as an older a young man. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's been marvelous to see that relationship grow as well. And I think it, when we, when we, when we all met up the other day, it was lovely for, for both of them to, to see each other in that circumstance as well. It's eight years to the month, isn't it? In fact, and mm. Harry is a key face as part of British Heart Foundation's Heart Month campaign. Just how proud must that make you feel? <laughs> I'm super proud for, for him. I think it's grown as he's as he's gone through this process, kind of the impact that he's having. I think he realises it. And, you know, I think we've we kind of talked to you guys before. We've spoken about doing stuff before and it's never quite fitted. Things, times have been wrong, but this time it really felt right. And the, the campaign felt right for us and everything you guys have done just, just felt like it fitted really well with what we wanted to do as well, which is, you know, get people learning CPR. So, yeah, to see him, it's 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 been a, a really positive experience for all of us, I think, and for Harry especially, to kind of grow with confidence. I know you've always said he's incredibly confident and natural, but he is nervous before he goes on to any of these things, any of these situations, you know, being filmed at home, being filmed for the BBC, and, you know, he's done the the, uh, the audio stuff with you as well. Uh, but, you know, he is, he is nervous about these things. But, yeah, he's shown remarkable composure, and I think, um, and a great maturity. And, and he he it's as i said grown as he's gone through this process he's become more and more aware of the impact he can have and this story can have alex you mentioned the importance of cpr how important again do you consider that is alongside the reviver tool which is there now for all to learn as well which you've had experience of recently yeah it was great to see the reviver tool in action uh when we were able to film at the amex um, with brighton have albion uh really special day for all of us my, myself and harry are season ticket holders there so it's, it's a place dear to our hearts uh, no pun intended uh, but it was such a simple tool to use and for a whole class of people of, of cross ages and 
and uh, ability, you know, physical ability to better pick it up and go with it and learn it within 15 minutes was marvelous. And I've been trying to share it as much as I can on socials, try and get get it across to people. And yeah, I mean, it's 15 minutes. You know, it's it's as long as it takes you to make and drink a cup of tea, right? Just learn CPR. It's it's not difficult at all. It's a marvelous tool. I was lucky enough to be at the Amex with you. And mm. I think the look on his face when <laughs> the Brighton player, Billy Gilmore, sent a message to him was was one to behold, really, wasn't it? He really lit up, didn't he? It was, it was fantastic. Yeah, and, and thank you again for that. Well, thank you to, to Albion for that. And yeah, it just it was a cherry on the top of the cake, to be honest. Um, it was lovely for him. Yeah. I know Brighton and Hove Albion are key supporters of the availability provision of defibrillators as well just how important do you consider that that is as an issue oh wow i mean one of the first things we did once uh, harry was out of hospital was raise the funds for the school to have a defibrillator so that was uh, really really important to us and i think a lot of it's it's interesting actually i think a lot of things have happened in public spaces since harry had you know since seven years ago a lot of positive stuff has happened but you notice it more. You see them more. Uh, having been through this situation, whenever you go to public spaces, you're like, oh, there's a defibrillator. Or you go to, you know, a, I don't know, a theatre or something, and you go, oh, that's good. That, that's good. They've got a defibrillator as well. But there's still plenty of public spaces and still plenty of areas where people congregate of, of any kind where it's really important to have a defibrillator in place because, again, that's that's the difference between life and death. And, and yeah, you know, again, incredibly easy to use and the reviver tool takes you through using it far less complicated than you might think it is i gather you had tremendous feedback at the first home game after his media exposure tell me about that yeah that was really lovely we, we walked into our usual seats and to be honest we weren't really expecting it or thinking about it but um many people came up to us and kind of said oh we saw you on tv and you know, we're going to go and do CPR and and also a, a, an incredibly emotional story from a lady who just sits just down the road from us who told us how she had saved her son's, uh, infant son's life um, when uh, he was just 18 months old. So with CPR and, you know, <laughs> you, you, you can't help but be emotional when you hear stories like that and, and people sharing their stories. And I found that quite a lot subsequently. People have reached out to me on social media, completely people I, you know, acquaintances or people I've just had contact with, especially on LinkedIn. I've had a guy who was a recruitment consultant just tell me, oh, I, my life was saved by CPR three times and when I was a kid. And it's it, just these stories just come out and people start to talk about it and people want to support you and help you. And, you know, and they want to do something as well. And I think, you know, this this tool allows them to share, you know, at the very least they can share that with their friends and family and co-workers. I think it's worth bearing in mind, Harry's still only 15. How do you <laughs> feel he's taken ownership of his situation? Well, he's very responsible about taking his medication. I can tell you that. And that was something we were always worried about, but he's, he's, he's bang on top of that. He is very aware about self-reporting. If he feels anything, you know, he's, he's self-reported kind of, or I feel a bit weird in my chest or something. And we we have a box at home. So there's a, a Wi-Fi connected box that connects to his ICD. And that reports back to the hospital. So if we've ever got any concerns, we, we can phone up the hospital and run a report off the box and they can tell us whether anything was 
was good or bad or not were there or went over any thresholds or anything. And, you know, again, that gives you another level of reassurance. But, yeah, you know, he's sensible. He knows what he can and can't do. And and I think having it with support of a youth worker as well really helps him as he hits these teenage years. Yes, yeah, an important time for him at school at the moment as well. Yeah, so doing his GCSEs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you and Rachel as parents? How has it changed your outlook on life generally? It's a good question. I think it's made us stronger as a couple. As I, as I mentioned earlier, I think once you go through something like this as a couple, and it, it, you have to, you you just become stronger. You know, you just you just know that you can make your way through something like that. For me, I think it it made me personally stronger as well, and a bit more confident in myself, and a bit more willing to to kind of push myself forward and not worry so much about you know, whether I was capable of doing things or whether I was strong enough to, to handle situations. So that was a positive as well. And I think, you know, as a family, we, we've kind of done that a little bit more. We've taken a few risks. We, we've kind of been to Africa together as a family and America. We've done some kind of big trips that, you know, maybe we, we wouldn't have done before. Maybe we would have just gone for a more close-to-time holiday. I, I don't know, you know. But, yeah, I, I think as a family unit, we definitely feel stronger. And a message to other parents on a similar journey? What would you say? Wow. Uh, you know, hold on in there and and just listen to the advice you're given and and have faith in, in those systems, I guess. And, and you know, it, it will be okay and it, it is okay in the end. <laughs> As you mentioned, Alex, massive Brighton fans, happy match day memories, uh, many more to come. Yes. Yes, let's hope so. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, I've grown up with Brighton in, in all sorts of uh, states of, <laughs> of, of being. Uh, but for, for Harry, it's been just up and up and up and an upward trajectory. So, yeah, for him, it's amazing. We've got the last 16 Europa League to look forward to in March. We've got our tickets booked for that for the home match and, you know, the end of this season, which, you know, we're, we're fighting. We're there and thereabouts. Should be okay. Well, listen, Alex, it's a great pleasure chatting to you. Thanks again for sharing Harry's story through well, the eyes of a very supportive dad. Thanks again. Thank you. If you have any questions or concerns about your heart or circulatory health and would like to speak with a cardiac nurse on the BHF's Heart Helpline, just go to our website at bhf.org.uk slash hearthelpline, where you'll find all the contact options. You'll also find useful information on our vital research, both in the episode notes and on our website at bhf.org.uk. The ticker tapes are for the many people out there living with heart conditions, and it's for them, their friends and family that we produce the podcast. Meanwhile, if you'd like to tell your own heart story or have thoughts on this episode, do get in touch with us by emailing the ticker tapes at bhf.org.uk. Dot UK.